Congratulations, you made it to the X-Fill. You can relax, empty your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me as always is Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope that you come along with us on that adventure. Got an exciting episode today. We're going to jump into some... I'm going to say finalizing our thoughts on some of the scav conversations that we've hit over the last few weeks. We're going to talk about some, um, let's just be honest about it, we're going to talk about some more things that we've both done wrong recently or in the past, mostly recently, and uh, maybe some strategy that you can get out of it, or maybe we can help some of you avoid some of those issues that we've encountered. But before we jump into all that, let's hit our hideout keeping really quick. And first, as always, as you know by now, the best and absolute most important way that you can help us with the show is share it with a friend. If you know someone that's playing Tarkov or thinking about it, let them know about the podcast, welcome in the community, and see if they dig in like we have. Uh, Second to that, if you can comment, like, share, leave us a review on any of the platforms that you're listening on. That helps us out tremendously. Those continue to pile in. And then I'm going to echo what we said last week regarding YouTube. We've had a bunch of you go out and subscribe to the YouTube. Again, we're super close on some big milestones there. So if you're at home, we know you're at home. Not fun circumstances, but a lot of people are consuming our content at a crazy pace right now. So if you can, subscribe to the YouTube. We'd really appreciate it. Those are the three best ways to support the show. The only other thing that I wanted to hit as it relates to hideout keeping is we've added a bunch of new sections to the Discord. We added an off-topic area where people can share pictures, photos, music, all the pictures of the wonderful food that you eat. But anyway, feel free to engage there. Uh, We wanted to create that section after a bunch of people are asking for stuff like that. So we've added that. We also added and changed the looking for group section, got rid of a bunch of channels, added a bunch of channels that were map specific. Check that out. Let us know if it's helpful. Let us know if there's other things you'd like to see. And lastly, if you're looking for me specifically, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, basically all the other social media spots under MTB Trigger. And Mr. Ronald, how are you, man? Let these fine folks know what's going on with you. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Doing fantastic this week. The best way to get in touch with me is always in Discord. We're checking Discord all day long and having fun with the Xville community. Go ahead, send me a DM there. You can follow me on the Twitters at Ronald Gaming. And also you can follow the podcast at Xville Podcast. So we can uh, also beef up the following there. Outside of that, you can always email the show if there's something specific that you can't do a Discord or don't want to at xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. One thing I'd like to reinforce is Trigger's Ask for YouTube subs. We'd love to have everyone who's listening to this log into your YouTube account, go out to YouTube, search for XP Media Now, click on subscribe. We realize it's a huge ask. This is a huge thing to do when you have literally nothing else to do right now. And we, we appreciate the effort. <laughs> of going through and doing that. 
So thank you in advance for everyone who's going to go do that. Like he said, we are really getting close to getting the YouTube up to a spot where we're hoping the discoverability gets higher. And that's really what we're looking for is to expand the podcast and so we can do more fun and interesting things with it. So beyond that, I think it's time to talk about uh, how our weeks were in Tarkov. And I got to say this week, my hideout experiment from last week, which I touched on, Pushing the mid-game hideout, which last week I was broke. I spent over 13 million rubles. This week, I'm starting to make some money back, and it's fantastic. I got three to 400k a day coming in. It's finally starting to pay off a little bit, so I'm pretty excited about that. Got into some tasks this week that were kind of fun. Getting some tasks complete, pushing some more tasks on customs and woods. Two things this week about tasks that were kind of memorable. On Woods, you have to bring the correct MRE. There's two in the game, if you're wondering. There's the green one and the white one. And I brought the white one because I wasn't paying attention. So I got to the spot, was ready to go, put the water and hid the water in the bunker. And of course, could not hide the MRE because I had the wrong MRE. So don't be stupid like me. And that would be the first thing. Make sure you pick the green one for that task. (laughs) I remember that, dude. I remember we had the Discord stream up, so I'm like watching you try to plant it. I was covering the top of this bunker, right? And he's down there trying to plant it. I'm standing up there just kind of scoping everything out, and he gets the water planted. And I'm like, you know, sometimes you have to like back off the area and reset it, you know, because sometimes it doesn't quite let you plant back to back on those double item plants. He's like, it's not working. It's not going there. And I remembered that I actually did the same exact thing. I took in the wrong MREs the first time and I planted the water and I couldn't plant the MRE, but I did it solo. So I'm sitting there in this bunker on the wiki trying to figure out what I did wrong. And it never even occurred to me that the lunchbox, as it's called in my inventory, was actually an MRE. It's the Iskra MRE. And so I knew exactly what happened as soon as he said it wasn't planting for the seventh time. So I didn't know exactly what happened. It took him saying like, no, it's not working, dude. And I was like, you literally just go back to the same spot. He's like, it's not working, Mike. It's not working. And then finally it hit me and I was like, dude, what color is your MRE? And he's like, it's white. And I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. So anyway, that was fun. (laughs) Yep. You know, it's just one of those little things, right? And I had already done the other bunker. It was just a while ago. It was just one of those tasks that was lingering in my list. Yep, we got to make sure you pick the green MRE. The other thing this week was pushing more tasks where I got this one task. It said, just go ahead and get seven graphics cards and hand them over. And I was like, really? Really got to spend like 1.5 million on graphics cards or two, depending upon, you know, 1.5 to 2 million. And the ridiculousness of Tarkov, this means that in the last week, I bought 17 graphics cards, 10 for my Bitcoin farm and seven for this task. It's just crazy. That's just a lot of rubles that have just gone out the door. But, but we're now making three to 400k a day solid without really having to do much of anything. And then I'm just at the beginning of the the money train that is the hideout. So for all of you out there who are thinking, why should I level my hideout? Why should I care? You should care because there's lots of money at the end of it. And I'm just in the middle of it and already starting to make some money. So that's an important thing. And you get to buy 40 more soon. And if that wasn't a good enough kick in the nuts, here's the biggest one that still exists today. It's strength leveling. I'm still mad about strength leveling. I'm still mad that I did quite a few raids last week. I walked around overburdened, did the things that logically in my mind would give me strength. 
and it hasn't moved at all. And so we are literally at the point now where we're going to have to try to figure out some way to cheese it or whatever. I'm not sure. But strength leveling is a little ridiculous. And we definitely will be talking about that going forward as I try to get to the way that I can level my strengths so that I can get some of these traders leveled up that depend on level three strengths. So and some of the hideout tasks. So that was pretty long-winded, but that was my week in Tarkov. How about you? Nice. I uh, I did a lot of nighttime factory, right? So I've got a good friend who really enjoyed running factory a few times last week. I know you actually raided a bit with him as well. And the question came through was, what about nighttime factory? And And it had been a little while since I had done it. And I just remember sort of being like, this is rough. Nighttime, how do you explain Nighttime Factory? And the, the best way I can explain it is Nighttime Factory, if you haven't done it yet, it's a wonderful way to make money for farming scavs because they tend to have a lower sort of vision of you so you can kill them easier. The extra challenge comes in the form of chads and, and more specifically, chads run in packs of two, <laughs> usually when it comes to Nighttime Factory. And so the story I have for you this week was we were in nighttime factory, we load in, and we learned our lesson. We no longer drop gear for each other, or if I'm going to help somebody out and bring them a loadout, we don't do it in the beginning of factory anymore because it just takes so much time that you generally can't defend yourself from PMCs pushing your spawn, or you're giving up 10 seconds or more, which is enough time for people to get in a better position to you. But anyway, we load in, and we are near the glass hallway, and I crash the second we load in. And he's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protect you. I'm going to stay here and protect you. I said, there's two spawns. There's one on the left, and there's one further down in the glass hallway. Both of those spawns were clear. He's like, you're good. Get back in. So I get back in. I take like 20 steps towards the glass hallway. I disconnect again. I get another server crash standing up right next to glass hallway. So he's like, what do I do? And I'm like, okay, you got to go stand at the end of the glass hallway towards exit three and just protect me from anyone coming that direction. If someone comes from behind you, it's just not going to work out well anyway, but you need to be able to protect yourself. He hears people coming and he's at, what do I do? What do I do? I said, hold your angle. If they see you, they're going to come in and they're trying to get you because the glass hallway is like four feet wide the entire way with only one single stack box and then two boxes on top of each other on the right side. And so I'm like, use those boxes, hold your angle. He kills both of these juiced up chads as they're pushing in. I reconnect, run to the corner on the other side, disconnect again. And it was just, it was one of those nights, man. I couldn't stay connected to the game. But he killed two juiced up PMCs, loots them. They had slick armors. They had exfil helmets with the good NVGs on them the night vision goggles. And it was just like, I heard the breakthrough happen. Like this is the first time that he has 1v2'd two geared out players. I can't explain how cool this was to literally hear the excitement and then the playthrough and then the franticness of somebody who just killed two juiced PMCs for the first time, trying to figure out what loot to take, where does it go, how am I going to fit this? And I'm sitting there just like, I want to reconnect, <laughs> but it wasn't lost on me just how important this was for them because he's asking, he's saying, well, do I take the Comtacks? Do I take these Swordens? And I was like, take the guns, take the ammo, take the armor, and then take the night vision. And if you can't get the full helmet, take the night vision off, 
right? Just walking him through this. And then there was this same moment that I experienced a few months ago on Interchange. And he's like, we got to get out of here. I was like, I know, let's do that. We're running to the exit. I disconnect right in the middle of that metal platform in front of exit three. And he defends me from scabs. He doesn't leave me. And he's freaking out because he's probably got 500,000 worth of gear. I reconnect somehow. He defended me from like seven scabs and we run out and exfil. It was one of the most incredible experiences to hear somebody have a breakthrough, to be frustrated with the game because I couldn't stay connected, but then to ultimately get out and then just hear the loot processing of a person who just took down some major loot. So really, really cool raid on Factory. So that that was the most memorable thing that happened this week. And then um, I'm ashamed to admit something, Eric. The case addiction that I thought <laughs> that I thought I had conquered is no longer cured. I have purchased an additional thick items case. And for all of you out there, the thick items case is around 20 million rubles. This is what happens when you have so much money that you're bored. Continue. It's, this isn't out of boredom. This is out of pure learning. (laughs) Because what I learned, and I'm going to preface this by saying, I'm not sure this is a great idea. Because I'm not sure that Battlestate's going to allow this to continue. But if you have a thick items case and you have a thick weapons case, you can't put the thick weapons case into the thick items case. They don't allow caseception the same way that they allow bagception, right? Bags, you can throw bags inside of bags inside of bags, but things like the scab junk box, the items case, the thick weapons case, those cannot be placed into the thick items case. What I've learned is that if you take a pilgrim bag or any bag that's big enough to hold a thick weapons case, you can put, for my purposes, I put two thick weapons cases and two ammo boxes inside of pilgrims and i did that four times because i have a lot of thick weapons cases because i am a case junkie like if you don't know and you look at my inventory i'm a case junkie i like organizing i like to have stuff neat i like it to be taking up very little space because i like a lot of rooms for activities i like all the activities and i like modding guns i like doing all that so anyway in these pilgrims i put two thick weapons cases and two ammo boxes inside of four pilgrims, and then I put all of my mag cases, which can go directly into a thick items case, next to that. So I basically took the bottom like 24 rows of my inventory, my stash, and got that inside of a brand new thick items case, which takes up three by four. <laughs> so you know what? I um, I don't know what else to say. My addiction is back and it's full blown. And I am back up to 17 million rubles again, and I'm looking at other things that I can stuff into bags, but I'm going to finish this by saying, I'm not sure that this is a good idea, because if they decide to patch it and say that you can no longer have things inside of bags, inside of things that they're not supposed to be in, I am risking a significant amount of investment by doing this. So I don't know that I'm endorsing it, but I'm also saying that it does work right now, but it may not work in the future. So the addiction is back. That's awesome. I mean, in all seriousness, this is beta, so you're really just testing. I'm just testing. Yep. You're just just testing like a ridiculous thing, but you are just testing. (laughs) I will stuff a ridiculous amount of pixels inside of other pixels. Let me tell you what. (laughs) 
I actually think it's a really good idea. I mean, if you think about Bagception and all those other things, the way that we store things and stack things, stash management is a large part of the game. So it's one of those things that Kception may be something that they look at doing. Who knows? It, maybe they won't patch it out. Maybe they'll end up doing something like this. We'll have to see. Yeah. And it's funny because talking about Kception reminds me of something that I saw kind of floating around Reddit. And it seems to be popping up and up and up. Like it started as a post and then somebody had like rough sketches of it. And then I saw somebody 3D model it. And then I had some like saw somebody render it, right? Like a like major graphical production. And it was another case. And you may be thinking like, what other case could we possibly need? But this one was actually for a STEM case. So there's an idea floating around mostly the Reddit community right now that the game needs a STEM case, one that you could put, you know, conceivably, like in real life, you can, you've seen these cases and, you know, it's kind of like the cheese, the uh, AI2. If you open that up, you can see that it's got some injectors, right? Or syringes. And so the thought is maybe we could have a two slot or a one slot uh, stem case where you could have maybe four to six stems or maybe a couple heels or who knows what. And the idea being that it could be something you could put into your secured container and you know maybe more people would use stem so i thought this was really interesting and when we started talking about cases it reminded me that that's kind of been going on this week in the world of tarkov so I mean, what do you think about this idea of a stem case being added to the game well they've done other things like this before like with the keys right there's a key case there is um yeah, there's two of them, right? There's right. there's the key tool, there's the sick items case, which carries keys, key cards, the skull rings, and then there's the documents case. So yeah, absolutely. So there's other things like that. My opinion is that they've said this game is supposed to be hardcore. So the question is kind of an open-ended one, but do you think that have adding more things like this, which are purely for convenience, right? Because really what you're doing is you're saying, I can use an item that I wouldn't normally use because I can take more of them with me and it takes up less of my space, right? So it takes, it's less of a cost to use these items. And so I'll use more of them. There's not a grenade case that you can take with you into raids. So I, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. What I'm saying is that does it stay true to the hardcore nature that they're going for? Who knows? Maybe they'll decide to add something like that. Maybe they've decided, you know, you could make an argument that this particular thing is doesn't ruin any of the hardcore aspects of the game. If you're going for realism, you could say, well, you could put a pack of stims in your pocket, right? You know, you could fit multiple ones in one pocket. True. Right? So maybe that makes sense in some kind of weird way that this would be a good idea. I guess for me, I don't have a strong opinion either way. Other than to say they have obviously in the past responded to calls for different cases. And I'm not aware of anything, but I'm sure they also have ignored a lot of calls for convenience <laughs> items. That's fair. And th this one is interesting to me personally, because the only stim that I really use is Propitol. Like I'll take a Propitol in. And the reason I started using Propitol was I would take it into factory trying to get a tremor so that I could kill PMCs while I had a tremor. And <laughs> it's a little bit challenging. And Propitol, after a, a delayed amount of time, will give you the tremor effect. And so I started popping Propitol at the beginning of the raid. That way when I got the tremor, if I killed a PMC, it worked towards the task. The reason I started bringing Propitol into almost every raid now is because if you pop Propitol, it gives you the painkiller effect. 
It's a very quick use time. I think it's two seconds. And then furthermore, it heals you. Like, I should have looked it up. I think it heals you one hit point a second or something like that. It's really, it's a lot. I don't, I don't want to misquote what the actual item does, but it heals you significantly just while you're doing anything. So on factory specifically, I was popping this propital and I'd get shot. I would just heal up by moving around, not having to sit there and make noise healing. And I realized that I was actually surviving a significant number of fights because of the propital healing effect helping me during combat. Yeah, I got a tip early on uh, from Dadcaster to use propital when fighting scavs. And so I've kind of used it interspersed. And now that I can make it in my med station, I can make seven of them. Uh, It's a lot easier to use now that I can make it. I do think it does add a lot. Here's an interesting use for Propotol that I've used. I've used it on my um, zero to hero runs. It's like, you know, I mean, if you're going to end up with some, say, substandard armor or whatever, or no armor at all, and you take one bullet bullet wound, it it's just enough to survive like one extra shot, things like that. So it, it can be useful. I don't use the really expensive stims. The ones that are meant for labs, I think, is really what those are. And those are really expensive to both create and to buy. But Propotol runs like, you know, between 10 and 12K for each one. So if you need to buy it, you can buy it. And if you make it, it's profitable to make and sell as well. So something to keep in mind. Yeah. And your point about the quote unquote, the labs, (laughs) the lab stims are the ones that people commonly use there. That's kind of where I was going with my point was that there's a bunch of stims that I never really use because when you take them in, if you lose them, like you have them in your pockets or something, you actually end up with you know, a 20K deficit, you know, 20,000 rubles in some cases or more on some of the stims. So I just kind of collect them and then sell them over time. And that's probably not the right approach to an item in the game. And that's why I think the stim case is an interesting decision point, because not only would it be something that would probably get more use out of an item that I would imagine there's a lot of people out there that are scared to use them or just don't like the thought of how much money's invested into that one slot. And then furthermore, you know, I I do think it makes an interesting decision when you're trying to figure out what to take in to raid in your secure container. And a stim case would actually be really challenging one, even if it was one or two slots. Because if you ended up finding a really good item, and now in addition to everything else you take in raid, you have a stim case, whether it's one slot or two slots or whatever they would decide, you would then have to Be like, man, to take this out of my secured container, that's expensive. Say it held six stims. Well, that's like 100K right there and then whatever the stim case costs. So it's actually would add a different layer of complexity to your secured container. Like, what are you going to take out of your secured container for a stim case if it was two slots? Yeah, it's a two slaughter that would have four to six slots. I don't know, man. I think it's more interesting than just... Yeah, it's just another case. So it's super interesting. I I just love seeing the artwork and you see the community like develop an art piece like fully fleshed out and rendered over an idea that someone just randomly posted a week ago. Yeah, I think it definitely is something that people want and maybe want more than just somebody's passing complaint, you know. So who knows? We could see it get patched in. You never know. Yeah. 
And, it, you know, and we're on this kind of subject on what's going on in the community. And, and there's some things that are just kind of being talked about a lot. And maybe you're being affected by these. I've seen a little bit of conversation in the Discord, but the official Tarkov Discord, Reddit, there's a lot of talk about cheaters specifically in labs, but they seem to be entering into other maps as well. There's a lot of talks of stuttering right now. And I, I guess I wanted to talk about these two things because there are some very, very obvious cases of cheating. But I think one of the things I just wanted to bring up and to keep in mind is like, yeah, if you see someone like zooming across the map, like it doesn't feel good. It's not fun. If you've been playing a pretty good amount in the last few weeks, you've probably had it happen to you. I can think of two events where it happened. You know, I was helping somebody plant in factory to get their uh, horrible task done (laughs) that requires you to go from customs to factory. And after planting, we had all five of us killed by a speed hacker. And then the other one I had was somebody who killed three of us. We were on woods and they killed all three of us in a matter of seconds and we were very spread out. And it was just like, boom, 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 one shot on each person. And those were really the only two instances that I personally have come across. But I I wanted to put it out there that, you know, I've taken shots at very long distance and hit somebody on the first shot. It doesn't happen all the time. But sometimes on the receiving end of that, it can feel really bad. And it's so easy to be like, oh, cheater on the map. No question about it. But you really don't know in this game. And sometimes that's the fun of being on the the shooting side is being like, I just hit a 300 meter shot. I just hit a 300 meter shot. You know, and it's it's not always that simple when you're on the receiving and it doesn't feel good. So I wanted to say that we get it. It's definitely out there in the community. There's some videos about it that are recent. It's never fun to be on the receiving end of that. While it's happening, we're keeping an eye on it. And, and stutters are kind of the other one that, you know, you've probably experienced these micro stutters that are going on. And, and I don't know what's going on with it. I don't know that it's necessarily been hit directly by Battlestate. There's a lot of I'm not going to say misinformation. There's a lot of speculation on what's going on with the stutters. There's some people that think it's related to new ammo being shot in the game. There's some people that think it's when there's a firefight with three or more PMCs happening anywhere on the map. There's some people that think it's when scavs spawn in or are about to spawn in. I don't think it's officially known at this time exactly what's causing it. Uh, but it is something that's going on out there. So to my knowledge, there's nothing that you can really do to prevent it. But those are kind of the things that are being discussed out there in the Tarkov world. So just know that like if you're experiencing that kind of stuff, you can go do some research. But I mean, watch the videos, go look at it. There's not really any like concrete, this is what's going on. But I think everyone's experiencing a little bit of it. So Anyway, I kind of wanted to talk about that just for a minute while we were on this whole like topic of Reddit and what's going on on Reddit, because I've been reading a lot about that, and I'm sure you guys have heard about it, and we're never going to go super negative on this show because we love the game. We like having fun with the game, and cheating and stuttering and exploits and all that kind of stuff, it's not really a feel-good thing, but we're not going to hide under a rock from what's going on in the game, so. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's, it's happening, so it's, you know, it needs to be called out for sure. Battlestate has to fix it, just like most other FPS games that deal with cheating. And they will. They'll figure it out. Yeah, like all of them. <laughs> yep. They'll they'll figure it out over time. So, But it, you're right. It doesn't feel good to be on the receiving end of it. And whether it's just someone had a really great shot or they're cheating, it still doesn't feel good either way. And stuttering, to your point, it doesn't really matter how great of a computer you have if it's a server-side issue. And they've acknowledged it and they're working on it. So. Uh, the game was recently patched, and along those lines, you know, they fixed some things in the recent patch. So one of the things that 
I want to talk about that is one of my biggest pet peeves, as we talked about, was they lowered the weight needed for leveling strength. So leveling strength in general, I think, is a completely broken thing right now. And so I'm going to be curious to see how this really plays out. So what I really am going to do is I'm going to go do one of my Luke Goblin runs on Shoreline, and I'm going to load up in heavy, and I am just going to run around in places where people weren't going to kill me, and I'm going to see if something good happens to my strength number. And if it does, then I have a path to at least get something leveled up with strength. Now, if it doesn't, then I'm really at a loss. I'm at 0.2 of one on level zero. So something's got to give. Yeah, I'm interested to see what they did because they didn't put the specifics here. I'd imagine someone's gone and tested it, but it used to be that if you were 0.1 kilogram over, I think it was 60 or whatever your max carry weight was, you would start gaining strength from moving around. So I'm not sure exactly what they did here with the new tiered overburdening system. So that'll be really interesting. You know, and it on those patch notes, I got to say, One of the funniest things I saw was on the bottom of it was they said that they added heavy breathing while your character is out of stamina. I know they're going for realism, but there's like nothing worse in this game to me than when I either have to like get my gear back because I died from a friend and I had a face shield on or I flipped the visor up because it had glass hit or something and then I put it back down and then you hear yourself breathing and I'm like, (laughs) I avoid that at basically all costs. And now when you're out of stamina, they're adding heavy breathing. And I was like, oh, gosh, no one asked for this. I didn't ask for this, but I don't think anybody did. So it just cracks me up. They're fixing it. They're working on stuff. Please, no more heavy breathing. I don't want it. (laughs) Yeah, there was a really funny comment on the Patch Notes post that said it sounds like you smoked 24 marbles. And, it, you know, I just started laughing because that's kind of what it is. It's it's a little obnoxious. I guess if you're out of stamina, you are going to breathe heavy. So, eh. Oh, it makes sense. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's just, yeah. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting, but I, I definitely agree with you. It's, it's obnoxious. It kind of goes with that same conversation with the stim case. It's like they're going for these hardcore aspects or realistic aspects, right? trying to make realistic things happen. And what does that really look like, right? Does that mean that we're going to end up with heavy breathing? Are we overburdened because we put too much stuff in our gamma? I mean, who knows where it could go, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's super interesting. So anyway, it's a lot of good stuff's going on. There's obviously some stuff that it doesn't feel so good if it's happening to you or happening to your character in the case of being out of stamina completely. So we wanted to talk about some of that. So what I want to move into, though, is We've had a bunch of short or inserted scav comments over the last few weeks. And what we really wanted to do today was just talk about kind of putting a bow on the how to make the most out of the scav process or the the option to scav into raids. Because again, we've dropped tips and hints and little pro tips here and there, but we really haven't sat down and been like, what are the key things you should be doing with the scav or that you can do with the scav to really give like a nice sort of list or or conversation around like, how can you best utilize this? So I guess I'll, I'll kind of flip that to you, man. Like, what do you think or what's something or the things that you believe are the best things to look at using a scav for in Tarkov? Well, in the past couple of weeks, I've talked about how I've started scaving less. And the reason being, I've just started raiding more to level my PMC up. And so I've started to look at scaving as kind of a tool for specific things that I'd like to do. 
And so I think there's two major areas and like flows of scaving. Okay. If you follow me for a second here, there's two major tracks you can go down with scaving. And it really depends upon how much experience you have in FPS games. So there are people that are listening to this that are the hyper chads, the thousands and thousands of hours in FPS. This first part is not going to apply to you at all. And then there's people that are listening to this that just picked up the game and just started gaming with Tarkov. And I know because I've talked to both. And so this is going to apply to you. I think the first major track that you can take is you can use the scaving to learn P- learn how to PvP. And it's it's really a no-risk way that you can learn how to PvP. And I think that it is a good way for new players to understand how your mouse movement, how your twitch fire works, all that kind of stuff, how you aim, those kinds of things, right? It's all of the different aspects of PvP. So that's like the first track. That's like, you know, scaving 101, but that's like really FPS 101. And Tarkov gives us the ability to learn that in a somewhat, I'll say, a somewhat safe environment because scaving is something you can just do. And if you die, who cares? There's really no consequence for dying in a scab other than a missed opportunity to sell something or acquire something, but you don't lose anything. And so that whole track is where everybody starts, right? Yeah. So I guess the things that I would add to that is I I agree with you completely, is that the PvP aspect of scavs, it's really easy to look at it and say, I can learn how to PvP. I can shoot. I can, you know, learn the ins and outs. And you you summarized that perfectly. I agree with everything you said. For me, coming from I'm, I'm hyper chad, right? I'm, that's just what I do. I put I love FPS games and I put time into them, and that's just how I like to play them. I like seeking out PvP. What I would encourage you to do with scavs, if you are struggling in PvP, if you're coming from FPS games and struggling with Tarkov, which most people do, or you're just wanting to figure it out. I would actually say that learning to PvP in the general sense of like how to shoot, where to aim, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you get some of that from scaving, but when you're not using the best ammo, when you don't have a headset, when you don't have armor, that's actually not the best way to learn the mechanics of your character for really good progression. You're going to learn the basics there to, to Eric's point. But what I would actually say to focus on is how do other players move? You know, when, when another player sees you as a scav, you can shoot at them and you can, you can do that kind of thing. But if they're geared out, they're, they're usually going to take you out unless you have a, a plan to get out of there. But I would tell you to watch how they move. Where did they come from? How are they peeking around corners? What are they doing to minimize their chance of dying to you? And then furthermore, it's how can you make them miss? How can you make them lose where you went? Can you get in a position where they walk past you and you're shooting into their back with no armor? A lot of it's actually the other person. So I think scaving in a PvP sense is actually a better study on how other people operate in the PvP scenario than it is on learning the true mechanics of Tarkov. Because again, not having the best ammo, not having a headset, all of those things that we've talked about as being really important you are randomizing which ones you go into a scav raid with. But what isn't random is the other person. They're usually going to act in similar ways in similar areas. The middle of the mall and interchange, the bunkers on on reserve, uh, factory. Like You can learn a lot about how other players move and fight in this game. So that's that's my take on the PvP side of scav. Yeah, I think all that's all that's really good. 
I think there is a progression that starts even more remedial than that. And that's kind of where I was touching on. I'm like, I'm talking about hour one, right? Oh, yeah. And then you you flow into all the things that you just said, which are totally true. And so with that first kind of track with scaving, that's kind of where I see that is like the beginning stages of learning how to do PVP. And I think that's a really good use for scav and all that way to kind of encapsulate that entire like comment on that whole thing. So I think the second thing that really scavs can do is it helps you learn the different progression of a raid. For example, shoreline, if you drop into a shoreline as a PMC, you know, you're going to have the full time for the entire raid, right? If you drop in as a scav, you may drop in 10 or 15 minutes into the raid. And so what you're going to learn is where do people actually go and where are the hotspots, right? So Shoreline's a great example for, for me, and so is Interchange, frankly. Those are the two that come to mind for me. What happens is depending upon where you drop in and the time you drop in, the high value places are pretty much hit. But you can loot goblin your way to a lot of value for your time spent. You can learn the hallways. You can learn the different peak angles, those kinds of things of the high value places because they're already been hit and the chads are done. So you can then go raid and take the knowledge of how to peak, how to get to those places and compete for that high value loot. And so I think time is a very important aspect of scaving. It allows you to go in and kind of practice without really having a lot of risk. You hit it on the head for me on this one. Time is the one that I would just say, know your time. Know your time as a scav because, you know, you mentioned interchange. That's an easy one. If you scav in and there's 13 minutes left on interchange, it's very likely that the middle of the mall doesn't have any PMZs in it. But you'll find that later in the raid, it's going to have a lot of player scavs. You know, so if you find yourself in a scenario where you will go in as a PMC and maybe you looted the outside or you're doing tasks and you decide to go into the mall. What you learn from your scav is that the middle of the mall is pretty clear of PMCs near the end of the raid, but there may be a lot of player scavs around because personally, like on Interchange, I'll scav in and uh, (laughs) you run through the middle of the mall and you pretty much get shot at by every other scav on site because it's mostly players trying to find some loot. So know your time and and check it often. You know, oh, I'm in this area at this time. There's no one around. This place is hit. This place isn't. There's usually a pile of bodies here in front of Kiba, for example. Knowing your time and using the scab time to say, okay, I'm here in the raid at this time. This is what's going on. It's a great point. Yep. I completely have used this strategy to learn the high value loot spots on Interchange and on Shoreline. I think it really makes a difference because you can use scavs to go places where PMCs have already been. And that's okay when you're just learning how to peek down the halls and how to get into the correct buildings and those kinds of things. And that kind of flows into like the next point about scavs that talks about you can use your scav to effectively learn a map. I have used my scav runs to find quest objectives or task objectives inside of various maps. And what I, you know, specifically like on maps that I'm not ultra familiar with, like reserve or woods, for example, I've used scav runs to go and find where different things are because I know that I'm going to have to rustle around and look for something and kind of be exposed in an awkward and not great position. And I don't want to do that as a PMC because it's just going to cost me money. But if I do it as a scav and I get shot on kind of discovery mode, right, you know, for a mission, 
it doesn't really matter that much. And so I would encourage everyone to use a scav run for a purpose of just exploring a map and learning where different places are on maps. And, and that's I think that's a perfectly valid use to not really care about living as much as using it for just knowledge gain. Yep. I agree with this. I do weird stuff on my scav that you probably never, ever see me do on my PMC. And it's just, it's purely out of, you know, I want to find something new. I want to see if I can get on top of this or jump over that. You know, maybe there's a way that I can get to a certain area that I haven't done, but I'll go in every door. I'll open stuff. I will check rooms to see what kind of loot's there. Like, I try to not play scared as a scav which allows me to explore more because I really don't do that on my PMC unless it's for a task. You know, I get so objective oriented that I try to make my scav be the no fear, no risk, or yeah, zero risk, zero fear. I'm going in. And again, I recognize that you need to make money as a scav, especially early game. But as you're getting mid game and late game, use your scav to gain knowledge. You know, again, from a PvP standpoint, because I can never turn my mind off of that. When you're doing weird stuff and running at people and being aggressive, when you're learning a map, you may do some weird stuff that nobody else does and catch people completely off guard because you don't know that that's actually not a very good place to be. So no one expects you to be there. Sometimes it works out in your favor when you're trying to learn the map and find yourself in odd spots. Yep. And I would build upon that by saying specifically use scav runs to learn sound. And we've talked several times over all of the episodes how sound is really like your third or fourth unequipped weapon, right? It's, it's a, definitely an unequipped weapon in this game. And I'll give you a prime example of how I've used scav runs to learn sound. I used multiple scav runs to learn at a very basic level. Last week, I talked about the pier building in Shoreline. And specifically how learning sound around that building is very simple and rudimentary, but helped me to understand directional sound inside of other buildings, right? Or inside of other more complicated situations. And so how I used that situation to learn sound was I used multiple scav runs to walk around the outside of the building to hear what the different sounds with the different glass sounds, the different wood sounds, all those kinds of things. And obviously paid special attention to in the building, in the pier building itself, where you're walking on wood, makes a specific kind of sound. When you're walking up concrete steps, makes a specific kind of sound. When you open a safe, when you open a computer, when you open a file drawer, all of those make specific sounds that you can hear from outside. So if you have a headset on, you can hear someone doing those activities. And so you can say, okay, I have map knowledge, combine that with sound knowledge, I hear someone opening a safe. I know they're on the second floor in one of these two corners of the building. I also learned the sound that opening doors makes, right? And so all of that combined together, you can translate whatever spot you pick, but you translate that from scaving in a particular spot over and over to then any other map. And it really helps you get better at understanding what you're hearing. And right now in my game progression, I'm scaving into resort on Shoreline. You know, I'm running into full Chadland. And it's been really interesting to learn resort. Now, I'm not an expert at resort, but I'm learning it. And I'm learning it through very low-risk runs, running it as a, as a scav. I think it's a very great system in the game that it helps the game have a way to teach without having some kind of long training tutorial that people zone out or just skip through. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. And 
over time, like you're you're going to go through waves of this, man. Like there was a point, I don't know, four weeks ago to a week and a half ago. I don't know that I did a scav run, okay? You're going to get to a point, and I think it goes in waves where you may find times where you just don't do any scav runs. But then I started digging back into some tasks that were harder and putting me into going into hard areas and their Jaeger tasks, like Shooter Born in Heaven and stuff like that, where I found myself dying a lot. You know, building a gun for some of those long-range tasks, I don't like losing them back-to-back. So what I say with scavs is go have fun. You know, I've been doing a lot more scav runs recently to literally just W key wherever I want to go and <laughs> jump around, make noise, and, and have fun. And I think if you're trying to make the most out of scav runs, don't underestimate the power of taking 10 minutes after your last raid that was stressful to go do something goofy and make another PMC laugh. <laughs> you know, like you can have a lot of fun on a scav waving your crowbar around at him or trying to do the wiggle dance to get him not to shoot you or, you know, drop in gear or there's so much you can do to have fun as well. And it's so easy to get so caught up in the tense moments of Tarkov that we forget to have fun. I know I do. So I've actually been using scavrons, and I think a lot of people should just to go have some fun. I think we've all seen it, right? Where you've seen some dude, someone doing weird stuff. <laughs> like, what was that guy doing? Plink. <laughs> all right, moving on. <laughs> Absolutely. Even when you have all of this knowledge, okay, you can take all of these many, many hundreds of scavrons, you can still do stupid things. And so this week, my story time is coming now versus in the uh, hideout keeping section. I need to tell everybody a little bit about something that I did that was was really terrible. And this is going to be great because we're going to talk about how you never want to do this. And it's a simple thing. It was a totally avoidable thing. I'm so curious what this is. Because <laughs> what you guys don't know, we put together notes, right? We do some research ahead of time. Sometimes it's not as, you know... We do some research, okay? And usually it's pretty well written out. And what I'm looking at right now, here's what it says for you all to know. It's story, in quotations, single fire story. And that's all I know about it. So I'm ready. (laughs) Here we go. So I'm going to set the setting. It's shoreline. The time is 1400. We're looking at a nice afternoon on shoreline. It's sunny. There's no rain. We're hearing birds. We're hearing chirping. This is the fourth or fifth game of the night, duos with a good friend. We've had some success in Factory, and now we decided, you know, let's run some Shoreline and try some different loot runs. And I was teaching this person some some of my favorite loot runs. And what we were going for is my favorite spawn on Shoreline is the spawn right by Weather Station. You literally spawn right at the bottom of the hill by the arch. And all you have to do is run right up. Every time you get there, it's a sprint into the upstairs office of Weather Station. There is a Tetris on the floor. There is something good in the safe. You sprint up there, you load up your gamma. That's kind of how this whole process works. Now, we had tried a couple of different raids, and we just had this feeling that we were going to get the spawn. And we got the spawn. So I'm kitted out. I'm wearing some level four armor. Got a helmet, a good tack rig, a good um, headset on. We're ready to roll. I got a MP7, and I also I also have a pistol because we're going to do some other things. So this is this is what I've got, right? I've got a pilgrim for a bag, and I think I was meted up. I had meds and stims and everything. So I hit my probatol, and I we run, we run. 
So we're running up the hill. I know there's no PMCs because we are spawned so close to Weather Station. There's nobody we have to worry about. So I'm like, follow me, man. We're going right up to the top here. So there's no scavs, nothing. We run, we've run right in. And sure enough, we're, we're there first. I'm like, this is loot goblin rat heaven. We are going to fill our bags, start going. So I hit the safe. I found a Tetris on the floor. Do that in my gamma. I hit the safe. We are loaded. Like we hit all 12 file cabinet drawers in the upper room were loaded. And then it became the question of, he asked me, what do we do now? And I said, okay, what we want to do now real quick is get everything kind of back to a good spot, you know, gather ourselves up and let's head towards the power station. So I said, on the way, there's two weapons crates outside. So let's go hit those. So as we're getting ready to leave, I hear some PMCs coming. And I'm like, okay, stop. I said, you hear that? Do you hear them on the, on the fence? If you know Weather Station, on the north side of Weather Station, there is a piece of fence that's laying on the ground. And there is a way to walk around that piece of fence without making any noise. It's kind of a tricky way, but you can do it. But these guys didn't. They walked right over it. I'm like, let's go down and wait in the hallway and shoot these guys. We went down. We waited in the hallway. We had the angle. Two guys came in. We shot and we killed one. And my friend shot and I died because my MP7 with AP 6.3 ammo in it was on single fire. I fired one bullet. When I looked at the stats, I had one ammo used. I had one hit. I did 57 damage to the armor. No. And I, I sat there for a good 15 seconds in complete disgust with myself. Because what happened is I got so excited about the spawn, I forgot to hit B twice to change from single to burst to full auto as I was running up the hill. It's just a sad story at this point. <laughs> no. So the moral of the story here, don't ever get so excited about the spawn that you forget to put your gun on full auto. Oh, yeah. I, um, I'm sorry that happened because I have done that more times than I can count. And kind of notorious for doing it in PUBG. I do it all the time. But in Tarkov, I had it happen to me a few times on Factory where I died, loaded my kit back up, ready for the next raid, and I get right up in somebody's face. And it's always the same thing, right? It's click, and then you, like, click again, and you hold, like, it's like, it's not working. So you really only shoot, like, one or two bullets. And so now, like, yeah, you, you hit it. It's like every time I get into raid, I always hit B just to see what, what it's on. It's brutal, dude. Especially, did you kill both or did they, did he, did the uh, second PMC wipe the other guy too? Or did one survive? So we killed the first guy who charged in the doorway. Yep. Oh, and this is so bad because I had a 50 round mag and if I was on auto, I would have shredded both of them. Because the first round, the person I was playing with, he, he shot him. Yeah. He, he shot him. But the second PMC shot me because I shot him once. And so, the, you know, the first guy who came in, they came in from the north. They peaked from the north side of the building. So we were at that bottom room where it's opposite of the stairway. Okay. I had the corner. I had the angle. I had the shot. <laughs> Gun was on single fire. <laughs> Did your partner survive or did the second guy end up getting him too? He got him too because he was so surprised. Oh, no. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. I had the gun. I had the shot and my gun was on single fire. Gear donating. Yep. Mm. Now, the, mm. only good, 
The only good news is I got the Tetris in my Gamma, but still, I donated more than 150K of gear on that particular Oof. run. Man, I'm just like thinking back to all the times I've done it. And you know, you're talking about the MP5 there. I've done it with the MP7 and the guns that should be on, you know, automatic fire. And, and when we're talking about the single fire story, which I'm looking at in the notes again, I want to take a quick second just to make sure like everyone knows that single firing is very good in this game. Like it's really good if you're ready to single fire. It's really bad if if you're thinking that you're going to press and hold. Oftentimes you'll die because of how unnerving that is. I've actually, this may shock people, I've actually started going into factory with single fire guns very intentionally rather than the MP7 or a kitted AK. Because for one, you know, you mentioned really good ammo on the MP5, you know, but I've actually really started liking the SVDS, you know, the single fire DMR. And I take in like 7N1 or SNB rounds because they penetrate high levels of armor and I can two tap any PMC for the most part if I hit them chest or above. I'll take in a 7.62.39 gun with the BP ammo that's really cheap right now. Maybe it won't be that cheap by the time the podcast hits. But it's really cheap because everybody just got it in their uh, package that Nikita sent out, right? You got like, I don't even know, it's a lot of rounds, like 150 rounds, maybe more. But BP rounds are great. You can put those in a Vepr. Don't sleep on single fire guns because, man, I don't have to take in as much ammo. You don't waste as much ammo. You know, if you're spraying an M4 with M995, if you hold down your left mouse button for, you know, a second, that was a 20,000 plus spray, you know? So just be aware that. Single fire is really good. It's great when you're doing point firing and it's good for accuracy. So while I'm sorry that it happened to you, I, I don't know. I've just been doing that a lot recently and having great success using single fire guns. ADAR, SVDS, uh, the Vepr, there's really good options for it. And I feel a lot more comfortable taking the best ammo on those guns, knowing that if I hit my shots, I can shoot a little slower, a little more accurate and take people out. Yeah, you absolutely can with single fire. And that's part of the reason why we talked, I don't remember which episode, but we talked about how, like for a while, I just took two guns. I took a long range sniper gun in with me every time. And those are all single fire shots. Yeah. So it all depends upon, you know, what you're trying to do. I knew in this particular match that I was probably going to have to do most of the killing, (laughs) which is ironic. And I was okay with that, right? So I thought, well, we're going to take a couple hundred rounds. We're going to go with the more is better option. And um, that was kind of the point of this particular exercise. There's also something to be said too. The guns that you're using that are single fire are expensive to make. I mean, some of them are. Some of them are. I. It's funny though. I've been taking the Vepr, a very, very low kit. Like I'll replace, you know, the pistol grip and then maybe the stock. And I'll throw a compensator on it, which, you know, like, honestly, it's the gun itself is inexpensive and I will put like 40K into it max. So I actually no. But now the SVDS, the, the SVDS I've started to really like is not cheap. That's true. But the Vepr with BP is a, I would say, super budget friendly gun and it slays. Yeah. The one I was specifically referring to referring to is the SVDS. That thing's a monster. <laughs> that's a the, 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 that's the thick boy gun. It's a thick boy gun, which is great. But it's just one of those things where it's like the MP5s and MP7s that I've been using are cheap. Yeah, 
it's the budget car where the rims are worth more because <laughs> the ammo is worth more than the gun. But I, I would actually wonder if you're taking in 150 rounds of AP 6.3 versus me bringing in my SVDS that's kitted and I only bring in two 20 rounders and an extra 40 loose to reload. So I come in with 80 rounds in the SVDS and the SNB ammo is like it's like four to 500 per round max, which I think is cheaper than AP 6.3. So I, I actually wonder how close they are. But again, it's a comfort thing. There was a time where I would have never taken a single fire gun in because I, I kind of wanted to have the backup of a 50 round mag to your point <laughs> and shoot those rounds just to make sure that if they were in my sights, I'm going to spray them until they start going down. So there's a comfort factor to it as well. But I, I wonder if they're not closer in cost. You know, they they might be. They might be. And I do kind of take some comfort in the, the spray and solve the situation. It definitely allows you to be a little less accurate, but it's only really good for close quarters, right? So, I mean, it's it's all situational. But in that particular situation, my plan in that scenario is to hit weather station, go through the power station, gas station, and then exfil down a tunnel. Because usually what happens is in that map, you start on one side and move to the other. So, it was a right to left progression. And so I figured because of that, we're going to have a lot of scav killing, multiple close quarter type situations. And so that's why the gun choice was an SMG over some kind of a, you know, some kind of a rifle. At the end of it, the big lesson to learn is always be sure to switch your gun to the mode that you want it to be in. And I learned that lesson pretty hard this week. I was sort of laughing before the show because I sort of asked him, I was like, so are we going to be talking about more things that we do horribly and have to admit to? And we both kind of laughed because it's like everything that I feel like I've done wrong, like I always see him nodding and it's vice versa. Like we learn a lot from our mistakes, but we learn a lot from doing good stuff too. But I think it's kind of fun to talk about the flubs because I mean, I can put myself in your shoes on that angle in the weather station. And as hard as it is for you to know every little detail about what happened, because I'm sure it's burned into your brain pretty good right now. I just, I just have to laugh at that because it's a good reminder. It's a good reminder to check whether you're on single or auto. It's a good reminder just to Make sure you're ready to get in the battle that you think you are. I mean, what I'm hearing you talk about is you literally prepared everything for that raid. You said, I knew that I was probably going to be the one killing. So you picked a gun for that. You also knew that it was going to be, you know, you and someone that wasn't quite experienced on that map yet. So you're like, I'm going to bring in a bunch of ammo in case we get into some fights and I'm going to bring in good ammo. Like you took the time to set up everything. And then it was literally checking one thing that you can't check while you're in your stash. You can't check if you're on single or automatic while you're in your stash. And that one little thing was disastrous. And that's how punishing this game is. You know, that who knows what would have happened if you checked that. And so anyway, it's a hard lesson to learn, but I'm, I'm glad you talked about it because I'm sitting here like, yep, that's a great reminder. And you know, now I know that there's a, some good loot up in the weather station because I don't really go up there. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely gets hit on the way to resort. It's an afterthought, but there is some good loot up there. And it's something to, to always look at when you're in that area. I wanted to kind of transition us to kind of a, a last topic here. Kind of wanted to end this a kind of on a high note. You know, we're, we're over an hour. So if you stuck with us, we really appreciate that. But I wanted to talk about something this week that you taught me how to really do that I've been using 
to great advantage. And that's the pistol running. And I know that some people have very strong negative opinions about this. And, and I get it. And I really understand why. And I got one great quick story about how people could have strong negative opinions about this. And I don't care. And so here, here, <laughs> here, here's what happened. I've been pistol running on factory a lot. I get a TT. I just load it with bullets. And I run straight to the office. Shut the door. And usually, depending on the spawn point, I can get up there before anybody else. I can hit the two jackets and hit the safe. And I have pulled out a lot of loot. If you're feeling spicy, go ahead, try to fight your way out. But so I just waited. So after you taught me how to run factory and how to defend the office, I just waited. I killed a Chad right in the head with a lucky shot. And I wasn't wearing any armor. I had a pistol and a dream and a gamma full of good stuff. I took his loot and then I thought, it's on. I have nothing to lose. I took his loot, his gun, and it was on. And I ended up killing two more PMCs and three more scavs. And then I exfilled with all of his stuff. And you know, I can understand how that'd be frustrating, but it doesn't bother me a bit. And here's why I don't care. Because I've been shot in the face by many, many chads. The end. <laughs> well, it, this is interesting to me because I am somebody that I would say on maps like Shoreline, Specifically, I'm not a big fan of the advantage that pistol runners and hatchlings, you know, someone that doesn't even take a gun in, have over somebody who brings in even a moderately heavy kit. I'll say that out loud. I, I don't like that they can run in, loot a Red Labs card, you know, loot lead X's before I even have a chance to get in there. And what you just said to me isn't an area that I would be upset with at all. And it's because of how factories laid out. I look at that and say, it doesn't matter what spawn you have on factory. There is a risk to running because people can hear your positioning. And frankly, even the closest spawns, if the person on the other side, like there's, there's two spawns that are really close and they're basically equidistant from the office you're not running that much faster than them, even if you just have a pistol. Even a fully kitted Chad can get up those stairs really quickly. It's a risk. You're not guaranteed to get in there first. And if someone's pushing and they hear you do it, they can get in there while you haven't pulled any loot out of the safe. So in this scenario, I, I don't get upset about pistol running at all. I think it's a valid strategy for factory. I think pistol running is a great way to learn the game anyway you don't have more opportunity to get there faster with a pistol on factory. So like if someone has a strong opinion about a pistol or on factory, I would want to talk through that and say why. Because yeah, you could be upset that you're not getting to shoot somebody that has gear that you can take out, but they're not really a risk to your loot and they're not really a risk to your gear unless they catch a lucky headshot, which we all love to be the underdog and win that fight. So I'm glad you did, right? But that that one doesn't bug me. You know, I it, it, I think that scenario compared to the shoreline example where you have to run a long way to get to the resort, generally speaking, it's very different in my mind. Yeah. And it's the first time that's ever happened. I've successfully done that once out of <laughs> a lot of attempts, let's just say, where I killed someone who had some nice thick armor, a kitted AK, and, you know, I was able to go to town using someone else's gear, really the true zero to hero concept that we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. You know, after having my single fire mishap, you know, it was one of those deals where this happened later that same night. So it was like, you totally redeemed yourself. So wanted to end on a high note, you know, and say that Tarkov taketh and Tarkov giveth. 
as is tradition. I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that's actually a great distinction for highlighting one of the quote-unquote issues in the game that that people talk about, but also it's always nice to to pull a fat stack of loot out of factory. It's become one of my favorite places to do it, so I'm glad that you've experienced that. It's amazing. Yeah, I would agree. It's it's a cool thing to have happen, whether it's by chance or a little bit of strategy. But I got to say, we're over an hour and it's time for our 60-minute X-Fill. I see my green box coming up. How about you? I think we're there, man. We made it. Well, that means we're just seconds away from getting out of here. I uh, just wanted to thank everybody for listening. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks to everybody who has gone and subscribed to YouTube or is going to do that after the show ends. Just as a reminder, that's youtube.com forward slash XP Media Now. We're also putting up some guide videos there. Again, just wanted to say thanks to the community. We're 700 strong in Discord and growing every hour, it feels like. You guys, I just hope you guys are safe in this time. A lot of you are at home. We hope that you find some value in this podcast for the game we all love. But more importantly, we hope you're all staying safe. We hope your families are well. And with that, we'll just say have a great one. Good luck. Scav often. See you later, everybody. The scav often really works on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll see you, everybody. <laughs>